Welcome, everyone. Thank you all for waiting so patiently to hear this week's guest. She's an independent companion based out of Ottawa, Ontario, and you've already heard her briefly last week discussing OIC with Natalie. This week, she's on all by herself to share her story and experience. The format of this episode is a little unique, and I hope you all enjoy it. Everyone settle in to be enchanted by none other than the lovely Kaya Sophia. There's a lot of people who are trying things that they've never tried before. Sex! Why do you think people don't see it as work? I don't know. I think there's just too much stigma. What do you mean we can't just go tell people? The vast uh, complexity of human sexuality. The escort. Deconstructed. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Kaya. How are you doing today? I'm great. How on this lovely New Year's Eve. Oh, I'm so excited. You told me you're going to a Gatsby theme party later. I am. I it feels like wait. the perfect way to bring in the next twenties. I yeah, the next twenty oh my god, yes. You are a genius <laughs> among women. Honestly, I went hunting for this party. I can't believe you got it and that I did it and it's just down the street from me. <laughs> you traveled all the way from Ottawa to be here. Um so really interestingly, today's episode is going to be a little bit different than usual. I typically get guests to write me a few paragraphs or bullet points about themselves so I get an idea of what kind of content to create to discuss on the episode. Um, just so everyone knows, usually when you interview someone, it's easy to look up their Wikipedia page or past interviews. The thing about interviewing escorts and clients is we all want discretion and it's basically impossible to find background information on anyone because we purposely hide it so you really go off of almost nothing to begin with um and when i asked the lovely kaya for something about herself she took it very seriously and decided to write this beautiful little mini essay (laughs) for me um and i found it incredibly endearing well put together well thought out and that it would be a shame if i did not have her share it on the podcast So I would uh, love if you would actually read the part of a mini essay that you wrote to me because, yeah, I can't think of a better testament than someone's just thoughts about their experience, the industry, and everything about it. It's so beautiful. Please share. Okay. So when I wrote this, I did it as kind of a free writing experiment because I never have any idea what to write about myself, but... Free writing makes it easier. You just let the thoughts come out and edit later. Yeah, no pressure. So you asked about when I first learned about the industry. And I don't remember when I I learned about the industry other than strippers and the typical media trope of street walking hooker. Love it. Um, I do remember that after the Bedford decision and the subsequent shit show of policymaking. Oh, my God. I'm cringing thinking about it now. But yeah, I mean, well, it's still part of the history. Like, it's important. It makes a difference when you see this stuff on TV. I was basically in a permanent state of, like, simmering rage (laughs) during that time. Why specifically? (sighs) Really bad policy, really stupid conversations, just everything that we in the industry hate about people outside of the industry talking about us like it just in the industry then i wasn't not yet okay no i was so i've always been i don't know left-leaning feminist leaning so when this happened i was like okay let me consume all the literature i can let me pay attention to what's happening follow it on twitter listen to the radio um 
<laughs> I wrote to a few ministers and the prime minister's That's office. Amazing. Good for you, you little <laughs> activist. I mean, it felt good to do at the time. I spent a lot of time venting to my mom on the phone while she was driving home from work and I'm listening to the radio. Just they so much nonsense and misinformation and Right, it's the misinformation. I don't think it's intentional. It's the the data they get is so yeah. Far from reality, but how, if they're or not sex just, workers, are they supposed to know? They'll take the data and then be like, this is what it is, and completely misrepresent it so that they can <laughs> push whatever view they want. I think they do think they're helping, though, in some way. Sometimes. But, yeah. I'm not convinced that that's true for most of the people I'm way too naive. spearheading the <laughs> rescue efforts. Um, yeah. So I was enrolled in a women's studies program at the time. And I was very lucky to have good teachers who weren't against sex work. Um, That's amazing, by the way. Yeah, it was a blessing. Um, And I do consider myself a feminist personally. And my politics within feminism are intersectional. Um, So I don't identify as a liberal feminist. And I don't identify with any other specific subsets of feminism. But I did want to summarize my view... um, So I found that the response to the word feminist has always been tied to pre-existing ideas about what it means to be a feminist Mm -hmm. and how people feel about the idea. Um, To try to simplify my views, the structures we've created in most of the world have failed us and created imbalance and amplified suffering. My feminism is focused on trying to rectify those imbalances. The world, for the most part, is structured so that the standard of what a human is is a very specific and small box. And every person that deviates from that standard, which in reality is like Almost all of humanity. every single person. Pretty much. Um, we're lesser than or a problem to be controlled. So my desire is for everyone to have the ability to live authentically without fear of ridicule or punishment. Like... If you're not hurting anybody, just live your life. And if you, someone's authentic living doesn't match yours or your worldview, either mind your business or just enjoy the beauty of diversity. Amen. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's really not. It's not, but some people just don't want to. In my opinion, part of what makes the world so amazing is how much diversity there is mixed in with all of the similarities. And I think that everyone deserves to be free, safe, and not left behind. But all of that means everyone needs to face uncomfortable truths, which is something that nobody enjoys and very few people are willing to actually do. Most of us are trying to be our best and trying to live good lives and be good people. Um, To quote Maya Angelou, be the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better do better such a great quote i love it she's got so <laughs> many great quotes she's, she's way an icon her years she's an icon i'm not sure which is harder facing uncomfortable truths or doing the work to change once you know better um but that quote is kind of i don't know like one of the roots of how i try to live my life i try to learn about things outside of my experience. And I know the concept of privilege is something that a lot of people struggle with, but I try to be mindful of the privilege that I have and listen 
when people are informing me of privilege I didn't realize I had and try to learn and improve. Um, I forget what I was listening to or watching, but I just said as soon as someone says that they're, you know, offended or feel dismissed um, or they see an injustice, it's really important to not then go and say, no, that's not racist. No, that's not condescending. No, that's not like that. And because you're essentially being an authoritative body. Yeah. And if someone wants to just be heard, all you can say is, okay, or like, listen. But as yeah. soon as you're like, that's not this, you're exactly perpetuating what they're talking about. I feel like that's one of the biggest problems is when people are just confronted with something like an uncomfortable truth yeah they don't want to listen and they shut but it then down you try to say that's not this and it's not yeah. your place you're not the authority in life to say what isn't what isn't something you can just say okay and yeah. listen even or, if you don't agree that's listen. not my experience that's right. not what i've seen but like, don't say that's not this because exactly. you can't possibly know exactly especially yeah. when it's something that is completely outside of your experience <laughs> i lost track of my papers no sorry <laughs> Okay, the question about what pisses me off most about the industry. I'd love to hear it. Mm. So, the thing that pisses me off the most has nothing to do with the industry itself, but the, the stuff we deal with from the outside. So, governments, charities, organizations, all campaigning in a competition to be the institutional version of Captain Savaho. Thank you, Ella. <laughs> Yeah, they infuriate me because of how disingenuous and patronizing they are. And they're constantly speaking over us while saying that they're speaking for us. And they use bad research to justify whatever it is they want to do with either no understanding or complete unwillingness to acknowledge the complexity of the industry and all of the nuances that make sex work wonderful and dangerous at the same time like it's oftentimes they use traumatized victims of trafficking or people who were hurt while working voluntarily or even people that just regret their decision to work in the sex industry as figureheads and they they use those people to legitimize themselves and position themselves as a authority on the issue and they're like, see, world, we're listening to sex workers. We have this totally representative group of ex-victims that support our nonsense. So you should, too. I see red. <laughs> Drives me absolutely insane. I mean, when you think about it, they couldn't get people still in the sex work industry to come on and say they dislike it. So they're only looking for people that confirm their bias. Well, see, it's not even just like or dislike. They're using people that were hurt. And that hurt has turned into seeing the Nordic-style models of criminalizing clients and decriminalizing workers, and specifically women, because it's usually focused on women. They see that as something desirable. Their experiences don't mean that they understand how that policy plays out on the ground. Right. I want to say, though, that in any occupation, in any business, you will make bad business deals. I'm making air quotes right now. But <laughs> that's going to happen. And so preying on sex workers, like, you had a bad business deal. You made one bad deal. You saw one bad client. Now the whole industry is garbage. Like, it does... You don't do that for, you know, businessmen. Why would you do it for sex workers? There are always bad clients. There are always bad business deals. It doesn't make the whole industry not worth advocating for in a healthy, good way. When sex is involved, people get weird. 
because I wish they were having it more. <laughs> we have a weird relationship with sex. It's so crazy that it's still taboo to be sexually liberated. I mean, people still get, yeah. you know, killed over this. It's yeah. still a thing not that like, long ago. Maybe today, maybe. Who knows? We'll use sex to sell everything, but God forbid you're sexual yourself. Don't have the sex. Don't have it. Don't have the sex. Just look at the sex. Apply it. Don't have it. <laughs> How dare you, you slut. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so with these rescue types, you can't win with them. Mm-hmm. It is impossible. It doesn't matter what your position is in the industry, what your experiences are. If you disagree with them, you're privileged or my personal favorite false consciousness you just don't know that you're being oh, hurt oh love that yeah it's like oh that's not condescending at all thank I you i wasn't awake thanks for telling me <laughs> yeah it really really frustrates me to see them using people who are hurt to push for laws that endanger the people that their token and i use air quotes for this prostituted women want to protect like they it feels like they're preying on their vulnerabilities. No, it doesn't feel like they are. They're preying on their vulnerabilities and using it to push their own ends. And those ends are... Like the Nordic model, it doesn't work. It does not work. All of the good research says it does not work. Really? Because somehow people that are very active in sexual politics can't seem to find why it doesn't work and keep advocating for it. Why do you think that well, is? It's hard to study an underground industry. Right. Like, Absolutely. You people don't talk about working here. information. Yeah. You, you can't get accurate numbers. It's impossible. Right. People don't talk about it. You can't get access to everyone. It's really, really hard to get a good representative sample. But you can look at like interactions between sex workers and the police and things like that and see how the laws are affecting those things. And instance, like increases in reporting violence to police under certain legal models. That's so, a great barometer. I think so, too. And when you use those metrics, decriminalization is the best model. Like, <laughs> people, the people that you have access to report being happier in general, more satisfied with their work. They feel safer going to the police. There's so also a power dynamic where with the cops. is doing that right now? Right now, I know New Zealand is doing it. Yeah, me too. And I feel like there's... Somewhere else, I think like there's a, a bit of Australia just yeah. legalized, not legalized, just decriminalized. Yeah, um, I don't remember the, where it is. I though. think I think it's north. I'm not sure, mm. but yeah. Why do you think legalization would be a bad move? So not bad, but just not ideal. Not ideal. So part of the problem is the power dynamics that exist between sex workers and cops, and with legalization, that's still there. In what sense? We're still subject to whatever rules they want to put on us. We're not like we don't get to control the circumstances of our work as much. And I find with a lot of like models with legalization, there's a lot of like, okay, well, you have to do sexual health checkups once a week and you have to get a permit. And there's just this whole list of requirements to be able to work legally, which a nuisance for people at the like the more privileged end of the spectrum and you go to the more vulnerable end 
And most of the time, they can't operate within whatever legal framework was created. They can't afford the permit or they're migrant workers and aren't allowed to work not legally. Even the permit, but you shouldn't be listed on government documents as being an escort anyways. It's none of their business. Exactly. Because you're going to be like scarlet letter for the rest of your life. And I know this firsthand. Yeah. It's something that follows sure. you because of how the world views the industry. Well, see, that's the thing about decriminalization. It gives you... It gives you space to access health services. It gives you space to access services to help you exit if you want to exit. You have the freedom to go to the cops without fear of repercussions. Like there's, There are fewer limitations on what you can do and how you can respond to problems. I'm going to go a step further and say that decriminalization would maybe make a path. Uh, okay. I don't know how to say this properly, but... When people are done being in the sex work industry, personally, I don't feel this is a career for a lifetime for me, but I'm enjoying being in my 20s and doing this because it feels right. It feels like what I want to do. I'm happy to do this. I'm happy to explore sexuality in this sense in my 20s, and I have no shame about doing a career later, and I don't feel I should be stigmatized. But yeah. I shared this with you when we were having salads that I got really sad and broke down the other week because if I want to get a normal a normal job right now, I, you know, my resume looks like shit for the past two, three years. Yeah. And how would I possibly explain to someone, no, I've been running my own business, my own marketing. Uh, I hired an accountant. I'm incorporated. I do all of these things. And I, I can't share that with anyone because they'd be like, we don't want to hire the hooker. And I mean, how am I supposed to get out of the industry? Like I'd like to eventually because it's just my career path and not have this always linger with me and ruin my future. Like, you don't want people to work in the sex work industry, but you're not going to permit them to then enter society again with no shame or stigma. It doesn't make sense to me. And all <laughs> I could think to do was this fucking podcast to be like, oh, anybody's a sex worker. It's not just one kind of broken person. I mean, this podcast is amazing, but that's... <laughs> Sorry, so that was my tangent. You said that you talk a lot. I'm like, <laughs> please... <laughs> No, you're you're completely right. It's this weird. People should get out of the sex industry, but we're, we're not, not going to give them any hire jobs. You exactly. You're a whore. We're not hiring you. You can't be your own children. No, but I have three. Doesn't matter, honey. Oh, let me take your children away from you. Yeah, you're that a hooker, too. So clearly, you can't Jesus care for children. Christ. I don't know what the path forward is, but I think. Your podcast is a good start. And another caveat to that is there are increasingly jobs where women are just doing it topless to get paid more, <laughs> like maid services. That's the thing now going around. It's like the topless maid service. Don't touch me. I'm not a stripper. I'm not an escort. I'm just going to clean your house in a G-string and no bra. And like, that's fine because she's not an escort. Like, what the fuck are we talking about here? It's fine as long as you're not a hooker. Jesus Christ. You can be a porn star as long as you're not a hooker. Yeah, we talked about that too. <laughs> Getting paid on camera's all right, but don't you do it in person in the shadows. Oh god. It doesn't make any sense. We got to fix it. We got to fix it, Kaya. <laughs> We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> I'm going to stop interrupting you as you read your beautiful essay. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally okay. And I'm having images of like chloroform cloths over the mouths of rescue people <laughs> right now, but god damn. I'm generally very docile but they oh they make me so mad so mad so the nordic style models are ineffective and they've been proven to be ineffective although they've started changing the language now to call it the equality model oh 
Yeah, it's absolute nonsense. It's just optics. But like the World Health Organization, I think, I'm fairly certain, and Amnesty support decriminalization as both for safety and health, the best legal models. Do you know what the United Nations says? No, I think it might be the UN not... Oh, who did the paper? Was it Amnesty or the UN? No, I think it was Amnesty. That produced the document a couple years ago supporting decriminalization and then everybody got mad and they were like, take it back. Like, you did years of research and like cross-examination of different studies and this is the, the conclusion you came to, but I don't like it, so take it back. Well, I'll have to research this later because I have not prepped for this specifically, but <laughs> it is a northern Australia's territories that decriminalize sex work. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Oh, you've probably talked about this in other episodes with other people. Repeat it, but please. Yeah, just in case people haven't heard this before, to um, explain the difference between decriminalization and legalization. You know, I think Natalie talked about it, but I haven't aired her episodes of a waiting on this one. Yeah. So it'll come out like one after the other. So go ahead. Yeah. Decriminalization is basically just the removal of criminal penalties for consensual aspects of the sex industry. And legalization is not so much removing criminal penalties, but like imposing rules around how you can do this work that aren't necessarily tied to health or safety. It's just how we think you should do your job. There was an Australian journalist, I think, or maybe she was an academic, that wrote a paper about how if you legalize sex work instead of have it be illegal, it's still something to be regulated, like an activity to be regulated instead of just, you know, an employment or whatever. That's where the major problem is, it being regulated. So decriminalization allows it to be like a profession like any other. Exactly. You're subject to the same rules that everybody else in the world is. And trafficking is still criminal because there are separate laws for that. Oh, my God. Forced labor in any capacity is illegal. <laughs> but Fuck you know. sex trafficking, any kind of trafficking. I, <laughs> I still don't understand the, the narrative of the pimp lobby pushing for decriminalization. I'm like, do you not understand the that decrim? Yeah, that is actual language they use. Um, Wait, what? I don't, it doesn't exist. We what know it doesn't exist. What is a pimp lobby? I have no idea. This, I don't know, ghost like specter figure in the background pushing for decriminalization because apparently that's going to help people that want to abuse us. But decrim makes it harder for them to access us. Right, because you have more rights. You have more rights. And you, you have can more go options. to the police if something bad's happening. Exactly. Yeah. Like when, after SESTA-FOSTA, I mean, there were a lot of people online that were like, okay, so here's what's going to happen. Pimps are going to be coming out of the woodwork. People are going to end up back on the street. Lost pass. A little bit later, articles. There are more people on the streets in this city and pimps are contacting escorts. Oh my God, who could have known this would happen? You take away the only way you can independently advertise and what do you think is going to happen? Like, we still need to pay our bills. Some people are very limited with their options. They're going to do what they have to do. Such a theoretically fucked concept. Like, in every way that you think about it. It's too much. It, yeah, it's a lot. But there are people fighting the good fight, so to speak. So, I remain hopeful Well, that's that's another big thing in Canada. Is Or, I guess, the States, too, wherever. 
any male supporters of sex workers can't come out because they might get fined or put in jail for being people that pay for sex, which is still illegal in Canada. So it looks like only women are advocates for this, but men are just not advocating for it and being vocal for fear of consequence because it would be a consequence. There would be a lot of shaming around it. Well, we're living in... Oh my god, is it tomorrow 2020? Let's fix ah. this shit, people. Let's get on top of it. Tell your this friends is about this decade. podcast. Give them the quantity. That, that's what this podcast is, is data and numbers. It's just a bunch of escorts telling their story, dismantle the misinformation, get this out there, and we'll start changing everything. <laughs> From all different backgrounds, just... <laughs> We're trying to give you an image of the bigger picture. We are trying, and hopefully we succeed. It might take a decade, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. 2030? <laughs> <laughs> no, 2025. I'll man. host in the gala 2030. I'll book it right now. I'll get a huge discount. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, so I mentioned um, being very frustrated with these people and how I'm generally very docile. I am very patient with people by nature but i have zero tolerance for people in positions of power who should know better and do know better and don't act on it no patience for it but what if they're being pressured by other people sorry i just watched a movie where this was like the plot of the movie i feel like i should not be saying this in the podcast i mean it is true that they might lose have a lot of pressure yeah Yeah. but i'm like if you become a public servant serve the public like what are you doing otherwise i don't know i just have this issue with public servants that are more interested in helping their financial backers and more concerned with re-election than they are with doing good work because why are you trying to get reelected if you're not working to serve the people? Well, I think they have a lot of different issues they got to give attention to, but maybe they also don't know where to look. Where would you advise would be a good place to look to find actual information on how sex workers want to be treated? Apart from contacting each person individually, <laughs> do you think going to like Maggie's Toronto would be good? Do you think putting out an ad would be good? Like what would like for people that have no idea but are a public servant, do you have maybe a suggestion? Look up sex worker led organizations in your city or even if not in your city, find them somewhere and you can email them. There are books, there are podcasts, yeah, there are I mean, websites. Yeah, we the podcast and we'll give you a list. Yeah, there's a whole paper on Amnesty's website about the laws and how they play out in the real world. The resources are there. You just have to be willing to look for them. And there are people that are willing to talk about the best way to legislate the industry. But you have to do actually include them in the conversation in a meaningful way, which is something that doesn't really happen right now. For the most part, if they bring us in, we get like five minutes of talking time and then the rescue orgs that want us okay, all well, gone. In that sense, get I half can't an hour. say that's bad because presidential candidates get like what ninety seconds. So like no, five I mean minutes like, is a lot. <laughs> like no, I, I don't gotcha, remember what article gotcha. this was, but one of the, the three people from the Bedford decision, there's another challenge that might be coming here in Canada, another constitutional challenge. And they were asking um, one of the women from the Bedford decision if she'd be participating again. And she 
like the response was basically like I'm not doing that again because basically being there you're there so that they can say you were there not there so that they can hear you Mm. so why do you want to do this work okay short answer I love people I really like people um I like sex and by nature I'm very service oriented um yeah when I started it felt like it would be really fulfilling work Hmm. and it has been um not just in the sense of pleasuring people and experiencing lots and lots of erotic energy built up erotic energy so good so built up oh my god I love it they will wait in years (laughs) um but yeah, getting to talk to people and sharing stories and dreams and frustrations and I don't know, just intimate conversations are probably my favorite part of what I do. That realness you never really get to see in people. Yeah. And I don't know, it's a very particular kind of intimacy within our world. Absolutely. But it's in a way it's magical. It is. And people keep saying you're not authentic when you're an escort. And it's like, I want to argue it's the most authentic people are because there's no requirements to be anything. Yeah. Like you can show up as yourself and the repercussions are not a. Yeah. Like be respectful. You still got to be respectful. Who are yeah. Humans, but you're not it. like scaring off somebody in your class that you're going to see every day right. by being your wonderfully weird self you're just i don't know creating the possibility of connecting with people and i don't know human connection is is important and special yeah it's also rare for some horrible reason nowadays no one shares himself anymore and it Mm -hmm. makes it feel really special when you finally get to yeah especially in a well-human environment yeah i don't know everybody there's like very edited versions of ourselves shared with the world. For fear of consequence. Yeah. There's no consequence in sex work. <laughs> as long as you're respectful again. Like don't walk into someone's yeah. house and like poop on the floor or like, slap them. Like don't be a dick, but be yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um my favorite part of the work is really sharing that sort of intimacy with people. And there's something special about being able to step away from the real world and just be in this space of connection and touch and actually I don't even know if this is next in my list because I have to flip the page but this is making me think of a conversation I had the other day mm-hmm. where we were talking about how there are people that want to see providers but not for sex and not just for like dinner dates either but for touch and cuddling and basically all the other aspects of what we do but the highly sexualized nature of our advertising or how people see us makes it kind of intimidating to approach us because it i don't know i guess it you think seems you have to live up to that standard yeah of like a sexual dynamo yeah like there there's this expectation of sex as opposed to this expectation of just showing up and being respectful you're a version of intimacy. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's one of my favorite things about what we do. There's no script. There's no rules. You just get to show up and make the time what you want it to be. And it's, like, by mutual decision, consensual. But you get to create 
this fantasy, if you want it to be a fantasy, this just really relaxed, natural environment, if that's what you want. Like there's, there's, you don't have to do it a particular way. How would you say hiring an escort differs from meeting a girl on Tinder? Or boy, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words. I like, think you kind of meeting just an did. escort. You, you're meeting somebody who, their main goal is your satisfaction and your happiness and hopefully mostly not in a way that's a detriment to themselves like they're like okay i'm going to give you bits of myself that i want to share and in doing so i'm hoping that i can bring you pleasure make you happy help you relax relieve some of your stress tinder dates are just a (laughs) toss-up You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to get. You, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen afterwards. You don't know what their expectations are. There's There's a huge level of catering to someone else's fantasies and desires and escorting that isn't kind of present unless you're maybe in like a huge long-term relationship. But like, I think it's because we all are quite empathic and care a lot but what the other person needs to feel happy and we are happy to be whatever that looks like for you because we care about your happiness like a therapist like a girlfriend like a sibling like a whatever kind of love version you want to say but that's essentially what we would provide is love just one of the many manifestations of love (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it feels like a weird thing to say that love is at the root of our work oh my god of course it is it it feels weird only because of how people understand the word love. I, mean, and I love my dog, but I don't want to marry my dog, you know? Yeah, and, like, I we're capable of loving someone and having affection for someone and caring about someone and enjoying our time with someone within the boundaries of our work. That doesn't take away from our experiences with them or how we feel. It doesn't mean we didn't genuinely enjoy every bit of that love. Exactly. But it still is work like any other kind of work. Yeah. And if you're going to expend a lot of time and energy, I think that might be the definition of labor. Yep. And just because we live in a capitalist society and we get paid for it does not mean we don't care. Yeah. Like, I need to pay my bills. I need to eat. But I like you. If I'm saying I like you, I like you. we have this I great like connection, you. don't you want me to eat and live somewhere? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I suppose it... The sexual part of it makes it a little bit more complicated. It's a mind fucking a half for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just the way you process it is a little bit different. But it's, like we were talking about this earlier, it's not so different from your relationship with your therapist. Like, this person cares about your well-being. They are trying to help you achieve a goal. And they're completely authentic about their desire to help you. But... It's within a certain context and there are limits to it and there are boundaries around it, but that doesn't take away from the fact that they care about your well-being and I they're trying to help you. That being a therapist is the number one example we go to, but just you explaining that right now has really led me on to teachers. Yeah. Teachers want the best for you. They teach you, but more teachers aren't going to go work for free. Yeah. 
they aren't. And these are who you trust your children with, with our futures with, and they still get paid. And we don't call them hopeless nobodies because they get paid for their work. That's just how the it's world because works. Because their work is accepted as valuable. Yeah. And people right, don't see the value of ours. I feel like the the end goal is growth, exactly the same as ours is. It's just got a different process. Yeah. And we both care a lot, but them getting paid is okay for us. We're dirty whores. <laughs> Yeah. You dirty I guess it's just a question of acceptable labor. Oh, I can't wait to normalize this. Oh my god, it's gonna be so nice. (laughs) It's gonna be so nice. Um, So going back to my script, (laughs) my essay, we were discussing how nurturing it can be to simply enjoy the warmth of another person and the feeling of skin on skin when cuddling without the expectation of anything further. Um just removing the emphasis on orgasm as the truest indicator of a successful date so much fucking pressure i hate it it's a lot and it can deter from the entire experience yeah like you better have an orgasm or this night's ruined and i feel like sometimes clients will come in and if they have difficulty orgasming or if they just are having trouble that day they feel bad about it and i'm like no you don't have to come for it to be enjoyable not even that and i don't want to like connote this profession as just being about sex but sex in general if you're having sex with someone for the purpose of them having an orgasm and not for the purpose of having sex with them you're doing it for the wrong reason yeah. <laughs> she she made a hand gesture <laughs> folks i agree i, I yep <laughs> one of those hand gestures <laughs> actually that's the part i like best when you're so absorbed in the sensorial experience of it all that you're not focused on the more explicit eroticism of the encounter like you're enjoying the smell of their cologne or the smell of the soap on their skin or the softness of their skin or rough hands i love rough hands like take note folks (laughs) yeah like all those things feel amazing and engage your senses in a really pleasurable way and in an erotic way because of those the, imperfect the environment. things unique to you make you sexy is that what you're saying yes what oh my god <laughs> i know right i mean i don't have to be like everybody else to be sexy i don't have to be a kardashian oh my god don't i'm sure there is some Cavill. weird shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's mm. famous because of a sex tape like she knows what she's doing that's true yeah. Although, so yeah, where did this conversation come from? It was just over dinner with somebody who was more interested in the cuddling and the conversation. A client. That yeah. Okay. Than than the orgasm, and it was. I mean, it was an awesome conversation. I had an amazing time, but it just really brought my attention to the fact that there are people out there that want companionship and it doesn't feel like professional companionship doesn't feel accessible because it seems so sex focused yeah i'm like okay there's something we need to alter here because there's a need that needs to be met it's really hard to to show it though without negating one aspect you're like no it's about companionship then it's not about sex no it's about sex too and it's also about companionship well no it's just about sex it's like god damn it like People are just very binary, and they want to make it about one thing and not the other. So it's just going to take a lot of work to redefine what it means. Yeah, we just have to get people to stretch their minds a bit. Can you imagine a porno where they, like, go out to dinner, have some some (laughs) foreplay, 
talk, go get ice cream. And there's 11 minutes. I just read 11 minutes. 11 minutes of sex. 11 is, is my number. You're like, this is like my real life right now. It's turning me on. Watch more <laughs> porns like this. I want to see the whole night teasing. I want to see her flip her hair and kind of like grab her leg under the table and then <laughs> an awkward dump before they go have sex. Honestly, <laughs> you want to make a porno? <laughs> Let's make a porno. <laughs> Sienna and Kaya make a porno. Oh my god, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm gonna do the script. Oh <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I find those parts really erotic. The the conversation during dinner the where you're just parts. so absorbed in yeah. it and you're not there's no pretense on either side. You're just really engaged in the conversation or cuddling up against one another and just just enjoying the feel of somebody next to you and there's nothing explicitly sexual happening there but it just it feels so nice and like it's just as pleasant as fucking for me at least i don't know about everybody else but implying sex is as sexy as having sex yeah i'll throw that out there it's just experienced in a different way and the teasing aspect is almost more fun than the actual sex. Yeah, like the when your mind gets fantasy, engaged. The imagination. You get the mind engaged. I gotcha. What's that saying? The, like the mind is the biggest sex organ in the body? Oh, totally. Yes. It is true. It's in charge of the imagination of the fantasy, which is what arouses you in the first place. Exactly. Your body's just responding to that. Yeah. It's just that <laughs> dumb animal part. Yeah. So you said that you started in the industry as a spa girl. I did. Um, was about five years ago, and I was an MA for quite a while before. After MA, massage. Attendant. Every time I get confused, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's just massage. Attendant. What we use. I don't know what what they use on the boards and stuff. Okay. Mas- yeah. MA means sexual connotation. RMT is like professional. Yeah. Okay. An RMT will give you a receipt okay. for your insurance. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I was working in a spa environment for a few years before deciding to branch out independently, which was a bit nerve wracking, but so you in the end, very like rewarding. An agency before that? Nope. No agency. It was the massage to independent. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you went independently. How did that change from being a massage assistant? Um, other attendant, than sorry. Of massage attendant. I don't know why I want to say Whatever magician's assistant is what I want to say. <laughs> For some reason, MA means that to me. I mean, I like mas- magician's assistant better than massage attendant. But it's really fun. Whatever that means to you, you're just a magician's <laughs> assistant. We work magic. Sounds so much better. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so... Transitioning out of the spa and to being independent was an attempt to reinvent myself, but staying within the industry because I really, it suits my nature well. I love this work. I'm After five years, I mean, if you didn't like it, there's no way you would still be in it. Yeah. Like it, it's, five years at any it's job, challenging. it's a fucking lifetime. It is challenging and frustrating at times, but... There's like any job. Exactly. Like, oh my god. Dare you like a, a bad normal day job? work. You're trafficked. <laughs> That's a bad job. Oh. It's so true though. Like you even if you have um 
friends outside of the industry that know about your work. You say you had a bad day, and how Honey, often do you get the response? let's get you out of this. This yeah, is killing it's like, you. It's like, no, I what just about had a bad your day. Best day la- bad day last week, Susie? Like, you're not quitting your job. Yeah, it's like, I just had one bad day. I want to vent about it so I can forget about it and then go back to right. having good days at work. But, you know, we're not allowed to do that. <laughs> we are. We're going to make it normal. It's okay. Yeah, we are normalizing this making space for other people what were the good aspects of working as a magician's assistant (laughs) massage tenant i think the the aspect that i liked the best was the sense of camaraderie and the amount of people that i had around me yeah i imagine that being yeah Yeah. because working independently is very isolating oh my fuck and especially before like OIC has filled a gap in Ottawa where there's a lot of disconnect and I mean we don't have everybody in the city connected to us all the independents but we've created a space where people can connect with other people in the industry and there's no pretense about what you do for work or having to like pretend you never have a bad day or hiding when you have a good day you just you get to be with people that understand I will air that episode with Natalie prior to this one but still do you want to just say what oic is for people that didn't listen to that episode sure so oic stands for ottawa independent companions and it's a collective um that was recently formed in ottawa it's not an agency it's just i don't know we it's a collective it's a collective it's independents that come together we we do have a website but it's not like it's not like an agency Who website where you go and book somebody. Like, how did the collective come about? Who created it? <laughs> it is Natalie Lefebvre's creation, her baby, one of her babies. Um, there were a few founding members. I was one of them. And it started with conversations um, with other collectives, trying to figure out what we wanted it to look like, trying to figure out what our goals were with our collective, just trying to imagine what shape it would take this is all because of there's a lack of resources and platforms and connection for the escort community and you don't want to start an agency but it's legitimately a collective like an association like a bar association or a doctor's association where you pay a membership each month and then you get those same benefits and resources it's the same thing yeah because it's lacking legally and working as sex workers we don't have a lot of support if we have problems and that's one of my favorite things about oic we have an emergency fund so if you have a problem that comes up that you can't afford or you need a little bit of extra help you have access to help that you probably wouldn't have otherwise like it's not like you have um unemployment benefits or sick leave or anything like that if something happens it's out of pocket that's just how things are for us so yeah that's that's probably my thank you for explaining that and so you felt (laughs) that kind of uh relationship when you worked as a massage attendant yeah there was a little bit of drama in spas but i think that just comes from having so many girls in one small space that are essentially competing yeah and you have people coming from all over the place all different age groups all personalities drama happens of course but there was also so much affection and laughter and fun sounds like a sorority in a way kind of honestly (laughs) like you go out partying together you have somebody there to comfort you if you 
are sad about something while you're on shift and not with a client. Not even that. I feel like in sororities, it's promoted to be promiscuous. So, like, you are actually a a sorority. Do whatever you want. (laughs) It literally is a sorority. Yeah. Your ass looks great today. (laughs) You did such a good job at the gym (laughs) yesterday. I brought you a chocolate cake. (laughs) So, I mean, who, after all of this, who is Kaya? Because I know that you rebranded yourself likely when you became independent so now that you're independent and you've had all this experience like who is kaya so since going independent i've had a couple of name changes oh inevitable this feels like i don't know this feels like the one that was the right fit i love kaya the other ones were close thank you great name i got the name from avatar the last airbender it's the name of the main character's child in the sequel series a lot of people have been saying movies and famous people but i guess that's where we get our inspiration from so I'm going to start answering that question by talking about my goals. A lot of my personal goals are focused on inner work and lifestyle changes and not hiding from the parts of myself that I don't like, not hiding from my shadows, and working on learning to celebrate and use my skills and talents, which is something that I've struggled with. Um, It's a process that has involved a lot of reading meditating when I can get myself to do it, (laughs) mindfulness, journaling, and a lot of complicated and mixed emotions. And the only way to get through those things really is to work through the discomfort. Like you can't go around it. Um, And I'm working to find out like where my shadows come from, what they're trying to teach me, what they need, and how I can work with them to grow and improve my life um i believe that feelings are messengers and our emotions are trying to communicate what we need show us what we enjoy and just help us live well-rounded happy harmonious lives um i think i'll skip through the list of what different emotions are telling you um, maybe I love you can it, post it in yes, the show notes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah just so people can see it. Because I feel like that's important. No, I feel a lot like they might remember it better, too, if I put it in the yeah. show notes. And a lot of people, like, hide <clears> from <throat> negative emotions. But anger, sadness, fear, they all have a message for you. Just like joy has a message for you. Um, <laughs> I guess Kaya is a nerdy, geeky, daydreaming flower child who loves food and laughter and indulging in physical pleasure and spreading love without reservation. Um, I am very unconventional, a terrible actress, prone to rambling when I get excited. I love my Lululemons and fluffy socks as much as I love bandage dresses and heels. I love superhero movies and I love Disney movies. I love literature with fantasy, eroticism, intrigue, action, romance. I love to cook. I love to nap. I'm hoping to take a nap later today, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I love the feeling of soft things on my skin. I have, like, so many fluffy blankets. So many fluffy blankets. They're magical. Uh, I got one for Christmas that's from Chapters, and I've just been touching it constantly. It's Ooh, I love buying blankets from bookstores. I really do. They, they get, know what they they're doing. They have their life right. They, they really do. <laughs> they know what you're doing when you're using the blanket. <laughs> I love to cuddle. I have way too many books and candles. 
I like being helpful and I love to make other people happy when I'm able to. My clients are very, very special to me. In particular, the ones that respect the boundaries of our relationship and don't try to push me outside of my comfort zone and show up fully when they're with me. And we just, we have a good time and there's no no uncertainty about the boundaries. We just, we show up, we have a good time and we just leave it at that. There's no pressure. The benefit to having clear-cut boundaries is the relief because there's no expectation you're going to text every day, be anything else for anybody. You yeah. both show up 100% to be exactly what the other person needs in this time and moment, and that's it. And you can repeat it again in the future. Exactly. So in the interim, you're free to just be yourself. And like Maybe one day you show up and you're like, you know what? I had a bad day at work. Can we just have a quiet day and maybe I'll give you a massage or you'll give me a massage and we'll just keep it low key. And other days we'll drink wine and talk for 90% of the time before we realize that, oh, we haven't played yet and I'm kind of horny. (laughs) So, you know, this really makes me want to bring up the concept that not every escort out there is right for you, especially for this reason, is that you see people that you have a connection or bond with. And it's not going to be fulfilling in the way you want it to be if there isn't some kind of unspoken bond or connection there. Anyone out there considering to see an escort and just think we're all the same, you could be missing on a phenomenal experience for yourself and maybe just getting something not tailored to you and then just not be seeing the point. Yeah. It takes a while. You really do have to read our websites, see our vibes, look at our Twitters, but it would be very rewarding to find that connection. Yeah. Like, if you don't find them within the first two attempts... Don't give up. It's really just Twitter. I mean, you can follow us and see for yourself. That's true. Okay. Questions for me? Um, yes. So, how did you pick Kaya Sophia? (laughs) Um, so, with my esoteric explorations, I've been kind of... Yeah, talk about your astrology nerdiness. Explain (laughs) everyone all of this. Explain it. I have a love of astrology, numerology, um still very novice with these things and learning. I have an interest in learning palmistry, like palm reading. Um, I'm practicing teaching myself, working on divination with tarot cards and oracle cards, which is a lot of fun. Oh my God, what a great party trick. Invite her over. Honestly, my favorite part of it is that the cards are so beautiful. Oh my God, yeah. So the messages can be so... Ancient paintings. It's incredible what people produce, honestly. They create such beautiful beautiful artwork and such beautiful messages and imagery and i feel like there's this this concept that tarot and oracle divination is like fortune telling it's like no it's helping you access your subconscious your inner world helping you find your way through whatever you're trying to find your way through helping you access your own knowledge the common word there was helping you (laughs) yeah it's just Here's a message to help you figure out what you're trying to figure out. You have the answers. Just going to help you get there. Facilitate the connection to your own knowledge. Well, I love that. But how does that relate to Kaya Sophia? <laughs> Kaya Sophia. Um, so, yeah, Sophia means wisdom. And oh. I just kind of became attached to that word when I learned it. Um, like when I learned not just that Sophia was a name, but that the name was associated with the idea of wisdom. 
also, I mean, Athena is one of my favorite goddesses of the Greek pantheon. She's the goddess of wisdom. With the owls, and owls are symbols of wisdom. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just Dumb a bitch. concept. That <laughs> no, I'm just obsessed with mythology. No, I think it's Lily. Where did Kaya come from then? Kaya came from my favorite show, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh, right, like you said. Okay, yeah. yeah. So the main character in that oh, show, favorite TV character, and then also the wisdom. Oh so God, I appreciate that so much. It's the name of his daughter. Which okay. you don't find out until the sequel series, but the sequel series I don't is think awesome. I ever watched it, but I will now. It is. I mean, I've said this so many times. Anybody, <laughs> <laughs> most people that have met me can probably testify to this. I will sing the show's praises all the time. It's a kids' show, but it's accessible at every age, and it's the older you get, the more you're able to appreciate the depth of the show. But when you're younger, you can still enjoy it because it's fun, it's colorful, it's exciting. This relates to every story and movie ever told. Yeah. You have to rewatch and re-listen, and you'll get completely different stories out of yeah, it. Yeah, and you start to see the layers. Yeah. But Avatar does something that most shows that I've watched haven't accomplished, where they keep it fun, they keep it lighthearted, but they also, there's gravity and depth and character development and struggle and messages about good and evil, and, like, it's... It's got all of it. And it, I mean, people talk about representation in media. You've got a blind character that is a badass. Like, just killer. It's such a good show. And there's messages that I think everybody can afford to hear. It's on Netflix right now. Oh, no kidding. Okay, no, I'll add that. Mm-hmm. So It did takes you... a couple episodes, but <laughs> give it, like, three episodes. As they always say. Well, I've, I've likened it to, like, a public pool where... The shallow end is very, very slow, but when it drops off to the deep end, it you, is steep and quick. You need quick. some time to get in there. I would yeah, agree with like that. You, just, you inch through the shallow part, and then all of a sudden, it's six feet deep. I'm going to be maybe watching that today because I'm sick and can't go out on New Year's Eve. Uh, did you keep escorting to yourself initially, or did you tell anybody else? Um, so initially I had a partner that knew what I was doing and super supportive, Probably which other. is really difficult. I was very lucky in that regard. Um, I had a friend that knew what I was doing. Probably some ladies from the massage place. Yeah. Not many. Um. No family members? At the time, no. Okay. <laughs> and now? Now I do have a, a handful of family members that know about my work, um, and they're very supportive, which I'm very, really, very, grateful very for. supportive. Not just supportive, yeah. but very supportive. Like they're not tolerant; they're huh. supportive. Which that's awesome. Yeah, it's it is a blessing. I know that a lot it's, of people no, don't have really that. No, it's really got to be the stem of a lot of your confidence because the people that have raised you or been with you throughout your life acknowledge what you're doing is valid. So that's got to make a huge difference. It does. It's hard when you don't have shame about your work, but there's a lot of messages that you should. Right. And just having support from people that matter to you is so comforting. It makes all the difference in the world. It does. Uh, So you hide your face, right? I do. You've never shown your face? No. Okay. And that decision was just to... Um, Overall discretion. Yeah, overall discretion, and I contemplated changing that, but I don't know. I feel like it's just not the right step for me right now, and if it does become the right step, then I'll change what I do. Well, 
<laughs> as you can see, I recently made that choice, and you I did. feel like I'm a hermit for a week as I'm contemplating my life decisions because I and don't know. It's a gorgeous photo. Yeah, it's a gorgeous photo. It's more like I hope that my parents don't have negative implications, and I'm not being some selfish piece of shit type of thing, and just thinking about myself and not them. And how long do I have to live my life for other people, not myself? And hopefully, people can see that people make their own decisions. It has nothing to do with anyone you know, or a daughter, or a father. Everyone's their own person. I feel like that's something people struggle with or we need to put ourselves first yeah it's i don't know complicated things are complicated well i'm very proud of you and i'm not your family if that makes a difference yeah <laughs> do you have a preferred verbiage in regards to escorting <laughs> i tend to use the word sex worker when i'm explaining it to other people it's a word that communicates very quickly what i'm doing and also to a degree my politics around it like when you use the word sex worker most of the time they're not thinking um that the automatic reaction isn't survival worker and uh, like a fear response for you it's more fear response is a yeah. great way to say it well that's what happens a lot of the time when you tell people that you're working in the sex industry their first concern is your safety and a big part of that is because like, there are dangers around the industry that are largely impacted by the laws, but they don't understand how we take care of ourselves and protect ourselves or the fact that we do have ways to minimize the risks. So their automatic reaction is fear. Because of the misinformation. Yeah, they but don't understand. So they that right now. <laughs> trying my best. So, the, yeah, you don't prefer anything in particular? No, Everything's okay. I will use you a different so? word depending on the circumstances. Like, if I'm trying to be cheeky or somebody's annoying me, then I'll be like, yes, I'm a whore. I gotcha. <laughs> I do the same thing. I will, I'll use the word prostitute if I'm talking about laws. I'll use sex worker as a general word. I'll use provider or escort or companion if I'm talking more about my work and not just, like, my job title. I would tend to call myself an escort or companion is what I would stick to. And sometimes I just say ho. <laughs> oh, I, I love ho, too. I'm, like, reclaiming ho. With the fancy spelling. But also, ho has been known to be, like, just promiscuous. I'm not a sex worker lately, yeah. so. Do you want to share something about your childhood at all or maybe something about how you progress as an individual to become who you are or someone that was okay with being in the sex work industry? Um, I mean, there's nothing really exceptional about my childhood. I had loving parents, a large family with lots of love and everybody, well, not everybody, but a huge chunk of them were close by. I was always surrounded by family members and love. Um, <laughs> I had a conversation about my mom with this recently. Apparently, when I was younger, I was the type of person that cried when somebody else got hurt on the playground. Oh my god, it's adorable. <laughs> I'm not that surprised because I cry watching Disney movies, so okay. But yeah, I guess I've always just been very concerned with the human condition. And I've always been very interested in connecting with people. Um, and I've also... I've always been very sexual. Which 
I, I say that and it's Don't kind of weird. I think that most people are, unless they're asexual or whatnot, but most people are quite sexual and they just get deviated from it from bad experience type of thing. Yeah, I, I didn't have bad experiences and I wasn't afraid to explore. And I say this and I'm like, I'm, I'm a very sexual person, but I didn't have my first penetrative sexual experience until later in life. Like, past 20. No, not past 20, but like 18, when everybody around me was having their first experience around 15. Yeah, bingo. Yeah, and it was never like repulsion around sex. It was just not ready yet. Don't want to do it yet. Let's make out and I touch my I think I would boobs. have done the same thing, but just found a person I felt comfortable with despite yeah. lack of attraction. I was like, might as well do it with someone I felt comfortable with. Type of That's thing. what happened for me, completely yeah. unexpectedly, but with somebody that I was and am very close to. And you were like, might as well do it with somebody I trust because I don't yeah. know what's going to be like type of thing. I was like, hmm. This seems fun right now. I like yeah. you. Okay. <laughs> See, this felt right. It was fun. It was fun. Zero regrets. So, do you feel that the way you were raised or the experience you had um, in any way kind of made you more prone to entering this industry um, more so than another industry? I think, I don't think anything about the way I was raised. Mm kind of pushed me in this direction I think my sexual nature made me open to it my politics once I was a little bit older made me open to it and my nature of being service oriented and wanting to take care of people made me stick with it I think the main thing is people don't let us have the same breadth of experience as the right. rest of the world. Right, oh my god, best like, way to put it. We're Absolutely. coming from so many different backgrounds, so many different experiences, so many different motivations. There's no one-size-fits-all model. God, listen and they're to always everyone. trying to put us in a little box. And it's like, this, it's not going to work. Listening to everyone talk, it's kind of ridiculous. It's like if every single lawyer out there had to explain that they're a lawyer because of who they are, not because they had a specific lawyer childhood. It's just, like, it's it's... It's repetitive, it's mundane, It's uh, it doesn't make any sense because anybody can do this job. It's really, really obvious like and people just, any other don't, job. <laughs> just don't connect with it. They don't but it's, see it. It's the media, so lack of information, it's the perpetual stereotype. So yeah. it's just going to take a lot of painstaking work to fucking fix this shit, but we'll get there. We're getting there. We're doing the work. So what would you say you like and dislike most about the industry? Favorite part? Oh, I'm torn between the cuddles and the food. <laughs> like, I really Both like to cuddle. Both are essential for a good date. Let's get that clear. It's true. And I'm like, I love to eat. I love food so much. Yeah. But I also love cuddling and being touched. Okay, so eat some bread while you cuddle her and it'll be the best day both you like okay one of the peak moments of my career (laughs) was sitting in bed while somebody licked champagne off my nipples and i was sitting there drinking and i was like even the mental picture of that looks enjoyable i'm feeling (laughs) good feelings right now like wait were they the same energy over your nipples yeah so like he had his glass and he just tip a little bit and his tongue was right under my nipple and then he'd look it up fucking adorable (gasps) oh it was so sweet and he was such a sweetheart and then he moved and i was okay but in case you want some date inspo there you go (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, spring champagne. I feel and like your ass could work well for that too. Haven't tried it yet. On so, the to do list, twenty twenty. Let's go. Somebody wants to be my science partner. We'll do an <laughs> experiment. <laughs> oh my god, scientists welcome. What is your current favorite book or one you always recommend to people? Oh, okay. <laughs> I shared this one with you earlier. You did. Um, the first book. There, it's a large tr- series, three trilogies together in one series. Oh, you're such a nerd. I love it. I am. Keep I love these up. books Keep so much, up. though. Keep they're so going. good. Um, they're by Jacqueline Carey. The first one is called um, Cushiel's Dart. And I don't know. Historical, fantasy, romance, action, intrigue, sex, all of it. <laughs> My favorite book is the first book of the third set called Namaz Kiss. It was the first one I found before I realized it was part of a larger series, and I absolutely fell in love with it, and just, I don't know, the messages in that book resonated so much with me. The main character, I just... You can see the passion in her eyes, folks. (laughs) I really love these books. I've read them like three times through already, and I started last summer. Oh my god, well, add that shit to your list if you're looking for some other add-ons. Do you also have a favorite TV show? Favorite TV show, Avatar The Last Airbender. That's it. It is what it is. You already brought it up. You don't have another one? Come on. I like Brooklyn Nine-Nine a lot. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is hilarious. It's so funny. Um, I'm trying to think. I started watching Fleabag yesterday. Oh my god, Fleabag is amazing. I fucking it's... love BBC. Fleabag is phenomenal. I like 10 it. 10 out of 10 for oh, Fleabag. I can't believe I forgot this one. Doctor Who. Uh, Do you have a retirement date in mind? Nope. I am going to be here until it no longer feels right. You never, when you started this, had like a retirement in mind. You're like, I'm going to do this for a year. Stop. Do something else. No. Wasn't a thing? No. Okay. I'm just here until I'm done having fun. (laughs) You know, I hope people understand listening to this podcast that I am doing this purely for research purposes. This is my actual version of a master's thesis where I ask a lot of sex workers the same questions get data and then write a thesis about it that hopefully people actually write actual articles and pieces of validity on actually so, listen to and- it's repetitive as fuck because i want to know everyone's answered the same questions on purpose do you have a biggest companion crush at the moment or several biggest companion crushes oh good lord like okay now i have to think i haven't been on twitter in a while because of the thing what's the thing the restriction thing that happened with my old account Right. Um, oh boy, who do I lose my mind over? Uh, what's her last name? Gemma? Song? Yes, thank you. I don't know, every time I see her pictures, I kind of short No, they're phenomenal. She's a great PR lady. Yeah, I really just short circuit a bit, and I'm like, oh, okay. Gemma okay. Song, you hot, babe. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And then, like, everybody in Ottawa and Toronto, like, okay, you're close by. I. I actually think that, like, Emily Kane is hot as fuck. Used to be Eloise. Yeah. She's my biggest fucking hottie. Her and Isabella Andrews, honestly, like, I just want to, like, attack both of them (laughs) in different ways. Don't tell anybody. I might delete this. I don't know. I'm shy. I ask you, and I'm, like, too shy to say myself. It's okay. I get it. Do you have any foreign crushes? Any United States babes? Um, yes. Amber Ashton. 
Oh my god, absolutely, Amber Ashton. What a hottie. And there was one there was one thing she posted where I could hear her voice and I was like, okay, I need to go across the pond. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, across the pond? Is Amber Ashton based in London or the US? She's in the UK, I think. I think she is in the UK. Oh, was she on that podcast? I don't know, but she has like the little dog and yeah, no, she's the one hosting that ball I'm going to in May. Oh, my God. Yeah, I got a ticket. I got to buy a ball gown. I've never been to a ball before. Thank you, Amber. Oh, my God. I know. She only sold, like, so 120 tickets. I think I'm going to start one here and do one in October. That would be amazing. Yes. Uh, I will get on it, and it'll be the best event of the season <laughs> for Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Amber, for the inspo. Shouts out. Snap. Like it now. What is that movie called? Lily Bond. So it's a movie. Thank you so much for being here today. Is there anything else you want to just leave as parting advice to all the other escorts and listeners out there? I think remember that we're human, that we are as diverse and complex as everyone else. (laughs) There's no one dimensional escort out there so just i don't know just make space for that don't go in with unrealistic expectations that we cannot meet just show up and be ready to explore together that's so funny because michaela banks said as parting advice that you should learn to take up space in the new year that should be your mantra is take up the space do what you want to do be who you want to be and don't feel ashamed of taking up your space be you without apology exactly i love it and so let's keep that going for the new year <laughs> happy new year everyone i know it's easy for us but like fuck yeah 2020 happy 2020 everyone thank you so much for being here kaya thank you for having have a great gatsby Santa. party ah, thank you okay bye everybody <laughs> we did it oh my god Thank you for listening, and thank you, Kaya, for writing such a beautiful essay and sharing it with all of us. I've attached your Twitter handle and website in the show notes. There are also a few additional links in the show notes this week. Hope everyone has started the new year off with a bang. Don't forget, you all deserve to take up space in this new year. Happy Monday, everyone, and stay curious.